Amen. God bless each and every one of you this morning. Thank you for tuning in. If you're tuning in and, and don't know, I'm Pastor Chad, and just thrilled that you're, you're joining in with us this, this morning. Uh, we're going to have a great time together. We're looking forward to getting into the Word of God here in just a few minutes. Just a couple of things that I do want to let you uh, know about. Obviously, we're not meeting this morning. My, my, my hope and my prayer is that next Sunday we can be back here. We have not made that decision yet. Uh, as I stand here today, uh, I think it's been about 12 days at least that, uh, at least personally, me speaking, I haven't heard of any uh, new cases of the coronavirus within our church, and we're thankful for that, grateful for that. So we're about 12 days in. Uh, our, our board's going to be meeting on Tuesday, and we're going to make our final decision about next Sunday on Tuesday. And so uh, Wednesday, we'll send out an email, and uh, we'll be notifying you by email. And also on the Wednesday night midweek devotional, uh, we'll let you know uh, about sun next Sunday. And, uh, hoping and praying that next Sunday is the Sunday that we get back together. Uh, I've, I've ran into you uh, out, out in public or been able to meet up with a few of you, and I know everybody, you got, got emails and phone calls from everybody. I know everybody is anticipating getting back together. There's a need for us to gather together. There's a longing for us to be together. It's, uh, they're, they're, th things transpire whenever the people of God come together, and I know you're longing for that, and uh, God does some great things when we're together. And so just be in prayer about that We're in faith, believing that next Sunday we will be able to get back together, but we'll make that determination Tuesday with our board and uh, we'll get the information out to you. So uh, do, do make plans to tune in on Wednesday night, We're having a great time going through the book of Hebrews. We'll be uh, in the last couple of verses of Hebrews chapter four, going into Hebrews chapter five this Wednesday night. It's been a great time of study. We, the last couple of weeks have talked a little bit about rest. Today's message is going to be about rest and uh, it's uh, all tying together uh, as we've, we've been going through the, the, the book of Hebrews over the last few weeks. We just encourage you to join in and be a part of that uh, uh, live stream on Wednesday night. We have a great time. And so uh, at 6 o'clock Wednesday evenings, Rachel and I will be going through Hebrews chapter 5 this week. So uh, do, do want to ask, uh, and we, we just prayed a moment ago for Peggy uh, Godinez. Just pray that you would continue to pray for her. Uh, talked to Brother Samuel this morning, and um, she's, she's okay this morning. Things look, looking a little better, but uh, just uh, want to pray. And believing God is going to bring her through this, uh, and, and, and just in a way, I believe it's going to confound uh, doctors and the medical workers, those that have been caring for her. I, I'm just trusting the Lord for something like that and praying and believing for it. So continue to pray for Peggy, and it, we would appreciate that. And pray for Sam and the family as well, just for their encouragement, and uh, that the Lord would strengthen them. Amen. So uh, we're going to get into the word of the Lord and excited about this message. Uh, it's called the Jesus Rhythm. And uh, it, looking at the way I, I think that Jesus lived his life. Jesus uh, never got in a hurry. Jesus didn't give in to demands. Jesus, uh, we don't see uh, Jesus getting anxious about things. We don't see worry with Jesus. There, he, he had this measure and cadence to his life. And I think it was very, very healthy. When we talk about the Jesus rhythm, we're talking about a healthy rhythm. And so we're going to look to the gospel of Luke chapter five. And I think we see just a really amazing pattern in, in, in three verses here. I'm going to read Luke chapter five, verses 15 and 16 as we get started. And we'll move from there. But it says uh, the, the, the news about him. Now, the, the preceding verse uh, Jesus heals a leper, and he tells them, go, go tell no one. Go tell no one. Nevertheless, it says, but the news about him 
was spreading further, and the large crowds kept gathering to hear him and to be healed of their illness. Uh, Despite the fact that Jesus was telling, don't go tell anybody about this miracle, the word was still getting out. Uh, He was doing wonders, miracles, and the word about him was getting out. And so in this 15th verse, we see that people are gathering to Jesus, and they're they're making demands upon him. They're they're coming to him to be healed, right? There's a demand on Jesus. There's a demand on his ministry. But the next verse, in verse 16, it says, but Jesus himself would often slip away to the wilderness and pray in seclusion. It says that he often would slip away to the wilderness and pray in seclusion. You see, Jesus didn't live his life according to the demands. There there was a lot of pressure. There was a lot of demand being put upon Jesus at this point in his ministry, but he did not succumb to the demands. Life can be demanding, right? Uh, Children, work, you name it, all these things that are coming at us. We live in such a fast-paced culture, fast-paced society, and there are a lot of demands and a lot of pressures that come in life today, but we need to learn to follow this example that Jesus has set and disconnect, even when it seems like those demands are going to overwhelm us, even like when, it, when, it, when it seems like we're not going to be able to meet all of these demands and all of the pressures we still need to have enough trust and confidence in God that he's going to see us through and he's going to help us to get everything we've got to get done done that we can slip away and rest. We need to take a break. Jesus never got in a hurry and he was always intentional about the things that he did and Jesus knew how to disconnect. In a Wi-Fi world, in a Wi-Fi culture and climate that we live in today, we're not very good at disconnecting. We're constantly, my phone constantly, I'm getting messages through social media or text or email or phone calls. They're they're just constant. They they come to my phone constantly. There are demands and I have to pace myself. I have to put some margins, boundaries. We're going to talk about that a little bit today in my life that protect me and keep me healthy and help me from being overwhelmed and and the demands of life sinking my ship and, and bringing me to a place of wreck and ruin. We've got to be careful to do that. We need to learn how to disconnect We need to learn how to withdraw like Jesus was able to do. Jesus understood disconnecting and withdrawing. I love that 15th verse. Jesus himself would often slip away and pray in seclusion. This was his manner. This was his lifestyle. This was the rhythm of Jesus' life. And Jesus knew the importance of rest. He did. He knew the importance of resting. He knew the importance of getting away. He knew the importance of taking care of himself. Uh, We're going to talk about rest for a few minutes. In Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, Jesus gives us um, the Venite. And and we we talked about the Venite last last Sunday in Psalm 95, the Venite, the invitation to come and to worship. And we talked about how that was an invitation to rest. And here's Jesus' invite. Here is his invitation to us. He says in, in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, come to me. All you who are labor and who are heavy laden. Do you feel heavy laden? Do you feel like you're under the pressures of life? Do you feel like you're bearing up under all of the demands that are coming your way? Do you feel, do you ever get to the point where you feel heavy laden in life? Do you get to that place where you are tired of the labor and the toil? 
He says, come to me, you who labor and who are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I'm going to give you rest. Now, all rests in the scripture are not created equal. There's many different words, and, and you have to go look and study in the, in the Greek to, to be able to see this. And so often it's just translated in our Bible as the word rest. And there's so much more depth. And when you study this in the original languages, it gives you so much insight and, and so much more depth. And so this word rest here in Matthew 11, verse 28, is anapeo or anaposis. And that prefix, ana, A-N-A, in the, in the Greek, it, it, it means upward, upward. And so, and that, the, the, the root of this word is pasis, and that's where we actually get our English word, pause. We need to learn to hit the pause button in life. We need to learn to rest. We go and go and go, sun up to sundown, seven days a week it seems like so often. We need to learn to hit the pause button. And this, this Greek word, there's, there's other forms, and we'll see this as we, we're going to look at a couple more verses. There, there are other forms of this pasis or peo that, that, uh, that are used for this word rest, and they're different. This ana prefix changes this, and this is talking about an upward rest or an uplifting rest. When we hit the pause button, it will lift us up. It will really, I think, take us to a heavenly place and to a heavenly realm where we can get refreshed. That's what Jesus was doing when he prayed. He would slip away and spend time with the Father, anaposis. He would hit the pause button and be lifted up into the presence of the Father. And this word anaposis or anapeo, it is to cause or permit one to cease from any movement or, or labor in order to recover and collect his strength, to give rest to refresh, to give oneself rest and take rest, to be quiet or, or calm with patient expectation. This is this word, anaposis, and it's a pause, it's a rest that lifts us up. It's encouraging to us, it's refreshing to us. We need to learn to rest. Listen, I don't care who you are, you need to rest. A lot of times we feel guilty resting. When we, we've got the kids waiting on us. We've got things we've got to do for work. We've got homework assignments. We've got all of the burdens and responsibilities of life, bills to pay and so on and so forth. And we can feel guilty about actually taking some time off, resting, refreshing and recharging and taking care of ourselves, doing things that we enjoy. And we can get a guilt complex about resting sometimes. Listen, it's not... You, you are not, I should say, you are not forsaking your responsibilities when you rest. It is for the sake of your responsibilities that you must rest. We need to rest. I, I'm going to tell you this. When I am rested, I am a better husband. I'm a better father. I'm a better worker. I'm a better pastor. When we are rested, we are at our best, and we can give our focus, and we can give our energy. Sometimes we get so frazzled in life that we get short, and we, uh, we have bad attitudes, and all the worst of us comes out because we are weary. We are worn down, and we develop bad attitudes and bad outlooks and, 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 and bad dispositions that affect everything that we do. 
And so we need to rest. We need to learn to rest so that we can be at our best. It's not forsaking our responsibilities when we take time away. It's for the sake of our responsibilities that we must take time away. We must rest. Things have been busy. This has been a crazy year. 2020 has been a demanding year. I've never worked harder in ministry than I have in this last year. We were in Minnesota. We were working in a church there, and then we began to take on responsibilities while we were still there and work here at Return and do videos and communicate with people here. And it was phone calls and meetings, even before we moved up here, that we were meeting with the Return Church family. And then we, we moved. We put stuff in moving trucks. We loaded and unloaded, and we got here, and we started to take on the responsibilities at the church. And then we're looking for a home, and we're getting our kids into school, and demand after demand after demand. We just purchased a new home, and we're excited about getting there and getting remodeled and getting moved in here within a month or so, hopefully. Lots of demands. And so you know what we did? Last weekend, we actually uh, found some, someone, grandma, and some others that would help take care of the kids and get them to school. Rachel and I got in the car, and we drove a couple hours away. We got into a hotel. We slept in. We went and ate. We did some shopping. We enjoyed each other's company. And for about three or four days, we just rested. We knew we have a heavy load getting ready to come with remodeling a house and keeping up with the church and all these things. So we knew, I knew I needed to take some time. My wife needed time. She's, she's busy. She works hard, taking care of the kids, taking care of the house, taking care of ministry things. Life's demanding. So we need to hit the pause button. We need to refresh. We need to recharge. <laughs> Jensen is an energy, our, our third son, he is a ball of energy, has always been this go, 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 go mentality. And Rachel and I, we used to joke whenever he would go to sleep, we'd say, uh-oh, he's recharging. Because we knew he was going to wake up the next day and just be full of energy and coming back at us again. Go, 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 go. Right? But that's what it is. When we rest, we recharge, and the Lord refreshes us, and he pours things into us. When we get away and pray, and when we are, can, can spend time reading and doing the things that we need to do to take care of ourselves. And just downtime and rest and do nothing What's happening is God is recharging us, refreshing us, regenerating us so that we can go out and we can meet the tasks at hand. Somebody said this, Sabbath or rest is a space of time that requires faith to stand in. It does. It takes faith to rest. I've got to do this at the church. I've got to answer these emails. I've got to have this meeting. I've got to remodel my house. I've got to pick the kids up from school. I've got to go out on a date with my wife. All of these things that are coming at us in life, I've got bills to pay. And we're thinking, man, if I, if I don't just keep going, if I can't work the next 14 hours, then everything's going to fall apart. It takes faith just to stand and say, you know what? I'm not going to do anything. I'm hitting the pause button here for a minute. Lord, I trust you that you're going to take care of everything, and nothing in my life is going to fall down and, and break and, and be neglected because you'll look out for me, because you're my provider. You're my source. It takes that kind of faith to rest, to enjoy Sabbath. And, and, and this is Sabbath and rest should be a normal part of our lives. We need that in our routines. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 9, it says, There remains, therefore, a rest for the people of God. God wants us to rest. There's a rest. And, and it, was, it was built into the week, a Sabbath day, a, the Saturday, where they were to do nothing but to rest, to 
to refresh, to recharge, to enjoy the presence of the Lord, to enjoy their family, to enjoy one another's company, to take downtime, to cease from working and just rest, just like God did on the seventh day. It was built into the week. God set an example for us, and resting should be a normal part of your week. It really should. This word here in this uh, ninth verse of chapter 4 of Hebrews is, is the word sabbatimos, Sabbath, to Sabbath, to rest. There remains, therefore, a rest for the people of God. It means a keeping of the Sabbath. It is the, uh, a, a blessed rest from toils and troubles looked for in the age to come by true worshipers of God and true Christians. I believe that Jesus is our Sabbath. There, there is a Sabbath that's coming. We're, we're, gonna, we're going to rest eternally. That's yet something to be entered into and experienced. But rest is something that we can experience right here and right now. It's a confidence. It's a peace. It's a trust. It's an ability not to worry about things, to cast all your cares, all your burdens upon him, knowing that he cares for you. That's a rest that we can experience here. That's a Sabbath that we can experience here. But sadly, most of us never experience this. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 10, it says this. The next verse, it says, for he, and that, that word in verse 9 was sabbatimos, the word for rest. But here, he uses a different word. For he who has entered into his rest has himself also ceased from his works as God did from his. Speaking back of the creation week and that seventh day rest that God entered into. He entered into a rest on the seventh day. And, and there is a rest for us to enter into as well. But sadly, most Christians don't experience this. Our, our lives are so caught up and trapped in, in this, this uh, uh, treadmill of a lifestyle that we live that we never experience the true rest of God. And our hearts are overwhelmed. We are heavy laden. We are burdened. We are carrying things that God never intended for us to carry because we've never learned to rest. We've never learned to trust in him. This word here for rest in verse 10 is a totally different word. It's, it's another uh, uh, you know, uh, form of this word posis. It's Instead of anaposis, this is cataposis. Cataposis. And this word kata, that prefix kata, when added to a word, it means thoroughly. So to thoroughly rest. There is a very thorough rest, I believe, that we can enter into. Complete rest. A complete trusting Jesus is our Sabbath, and we can trust him. We can enter into the rest that he has provided for us, and we can take comfort in that. We can take peace from that, and it's a ceasing, again, the word pause, kataposis, to put it on pause, to thoroughly pause, to completely cease from your own works and trust him for everything that you need. It doesn't mean that I, 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 I stop going to work, that I stop taking care of, that's not what it's talking about here. It's talking about, it's really a spiritual thing where we stop wrestling, we stop worrying, we stop striving to do it our own self in our own way, and we trust him and say, Lord, your way is perfect, and I'm going to trust you. Brady Boyd has got a great book, been very helpful, but Brady Boyd, he makes this statement, he says, by choosing to Sabbath... We are protesting and rebelling against our innate desire to trust in and worship our own self-sufficiency. 
Sadly, that's what we're doing, many of us. We're worshiping our own self-sufficiency. I can work and I can pay these bills. I can take care of my family. I can get through this. I can do this. When our position ought to be a place of absolute and complete yield, yielding and surrendering everything that we are, everything that we have to Jesus and trusting him for it and only doing what he's telling us to do, learning to live life in the spirit. The uh, psychologists have, have developed a, a new term, terminology for, for a syndrome or a, I guess a lifestyle that, that's very common in our culture. It's prevalent in our culture today. It's called the work martyr syndrome or the work martyr complex. And it's this idea that busyness has become a badge of honor. The harder that, that we work, the more honorable of a life that we're living. And we're, we're becoming workaholics, working ourselves to the bone, a people who don't know what it is to rest because we're working so hard to get ahead, to provide for our family, to get that new car, to get that new house, to keep up with everything that, that everybody else in our culture has so that our Instagram pictures look as cool as their Instagram pictures so that we can have vacations that impress our friends. Our vacations are no longer places of resting, they're work because it takes months to finance them. And we gotta have everything, we gotta have the right wardrobe on and our pictures so that we can impress our friends of how awesome our vacation was. It's draining. This is the way people are living. It's not healthy. We're on a treadmill, going through the motions, running to get to work, running to get to our second job, running to get to our third job, running to sell things uh, through Facebook so we can keep up with our bills, all the things that we're doing. We're on this treadmill and it's dominating our lives and we aren't experiencing freedom. We aren't even living. We're not happy with the lifestyles and the life that we're living. Let me just say this to you. Don't put the quality of your life in a, into the hands of a corporation. Don't let them dictate to you what your lifestyle is gonna look like. Don't, don't put the, the quality of your life into our culture and what they say your life is supposed to look like. Get into the word of God. Get away and spend time, as Jesus did. Spend time with the Father and allow him to dictate the way that you should be living your life. I come back to this, this saying from Jesus so often, but it is so powerful. If we can grasp this, it will give us life. Jesus said, I don't do anything unless I see the Father do it, and I don't say anything unless I hear the Father say it. If we can get to a place where we can live life like that, we will be free. I'm going I'm to shift here for just a second. I want to I talk to you for a minute about margins. We need margins. If we're going to be healthy, if we're going to live a healthy lifestyle, we need margins. Sabbath is about margin. Resting is about margin. You know, you've got in your Bible, you've got the margins. There's space. I, I, I like the wide margin Bible because it gives me space to take notes. I love that. You know, God works in the margin. Margin in your life gives, gives God to room. Gives, gives God room, I'm sorry, room to work. We need to give God room. We need to give God space. We need to give God margin, downtime, where, where he can really work in our lives. God will interact with you in the margins. What was Jesus doing when he secluded himself and went away to pray by himself in the wilderness? He was giving margin in his life. 
a place where there wasn't noise, where the crowds weren't interfering, where the voices and all of the commentary from the disciples weren't distracting and skewing his view. He was able to get away from, from that noise and hear directly from the Father. We need that kind of margin in our life. But if we're going to have margin, you've got to set boundaries. You've got to set boundaries. Boundaries are what give you margin. If you don't have boundaries, everything in your life's going to run together. You've got to have boundaries. I remember uh, when we were in Kentucky, we, we lived on, on the campus there. We lived in, in, in a home that was on our church campus. And when we, were, when we moved there, we, we remodeled that house. We, that, we remodeled that, that home and, and got it in shape. And the church people were coming over and helping us. And they were painting and you know, doing all these things to help us to get that home ready to move into. And then we moved into the house. And one day, I was, I'd been out working I think I'd been to the radio station working and I came home to, to get cleaned up and to change and go on to my next meeting and I got in the shower and I got out of the shower and walked out of the, the bathroom to our bedroom and there's one of the church members walking through our house. He, see, he was so comfortable coming in and out of the house during the remodel process, he just thought he could enter into the house. I had to put a boundary and say, hold on a second, I won't come into your house without knocking. Don't come into my house without knocking. I had to put a boundary. Why? Because that gives margin, that gives space. You need space between you and your neighbors, right? None of us wanna get out of the shower and have our neighbor standing there in our, in our bathroom when we get out of the shower. None of us want that. We need boundaries because they give us clear margins, space that's needed in our lives. We need boundaries. A boundary that I have is Monday. This is a boundary that I had to set because I, I, I got caught up in, in the martyr work syndrome. I got caught up in the, I, I workaholic. I was raised in a family that's taught the harder, the work, harder you work, the, the more godly you are. I was raised that way. I, I was taught that work is worship. I was taught that, and this, there's truth in that. But I had to learn to rest. I had to learn that it was important to take time and spend time with my, my wife and my kids. I had to learn that it was important to take time and invest in myself and grow myself spiritually. It was important. And I had to set boundaries in order for that to happen. So Monday is a day off. I don't work on Mondays. I, I, I try to keep all business out of my Monday so that I can rest, so that I can do whatever I want to do. I can go eat wherever I want to eat. I can take my wife anywhere we want to go. I can lay in bed if I want to all day Monday. It's a day of rest. It's a day where it's my day, and I do what I want to do. I had to establish that. I had to make a boundary in my life so that my lifestyle would not be unhealthy. We need to also focus. Margin was one word. Boundary was another word. And focus is another word. I remember in, in Texas when we were pastoring, we pastored in a university, uh, a town where there was a university, and we, we had a young man that came to our church and he came for a while, and, and, and then he came to me one Sunday after the service. He said, Pastor Chad, I need to talk to you. I am so confused, and I am worn out. I just don't even know what to do anymore. I said, okay, well, tell me, tell me something. Tell me what goes on in your life on a regular basis. He said, well, I, I, I go to a church, actually at another church before I come here, and then I come to your church. And then he said, I run a community garden where we live. I'm involved in this club, I'm involved in that club, I'm involved in this ministry on campus, I'm actually the president of this organization, I work at the grocery store bagging 
uh, groceries, and I'm also taking about 16 hours of college courses and credits. And I said, no wonder you're confused. No wonder you're worn out. And I, I told them, you, you need to begin to focus. You've got to figure out what's important in your life. And I said, I want you to find one church and go to it. If it's here, come here. If it's that other church, go there. But you need to whittle some things out of your life so that you can have a focus and you can have some time for yourself and you can have some time to rest because if you keep doing this, you are going to wear yourself out. Guess what happened? That young man quit coming to our church. He went to the other church. But you know what? I was happy about that because he was making some decisions that was getting the important time and the important focus back to him that he needed to be able to live a healthy lifestyle. And you know what that young man's doing today? He is a pastor today, the pastor of a church. But can you imagine if he would have kept on that pace? It would have worn him down. It could have destroyed him if he would have kept at that pace. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 6, verse 22, he says, the light of the body is the eye. If therefore thine eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. In other words, if you've got a singular focus, it's going to bring clarity to you. That's what Jesus is saying here. We need a singular focus because focus brings clarity. But if we're running the rat race, if we're trying to keep up with our friends, if we're trying to have the, the mega house, the mega car, the mega career, the this, the that, and the other, and all these things, and get our kids in the best schools, and all these things, and we're pursuing all of these things, and we don't have a proper focus. That's why Jesus says in, in the same chapter, Matthew 6, go down about 11 verses to verse 33, says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Let your focus be the kingdom and then all of these other things are going to be added into you. If we're going to rest, we've got to have focus. It's not about the daily increase in life. We, we're trying to increase in every area. Our homes, bigger homes, bigger cars, bigger bank accounts. We're trying to increase. It's not so much about the daily increase. It needs to be about the daily decrease. You need to learn to hack away at the unessential. Hack away at things that don't matter. Cut out things from your life that aren't necessary because they will sap your strength. They will burn your energy. Indecision burns energy. Lack of focus burns energy. We need a clear focus. We need to know where we're heading. Jesus had this. In, in, in verse 15 of this, chap, uh, this chapter that we started out reading, Luke chapter five, verse 15, the demands of the crowd coming to him to be taught and to be healed, making demands upon the, 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 the ministry of Jesus. One verse later, no, he slips away. He doesn't live according to those demands. He slips away and refreshes and recharges. He gets away in seclusion and prays and spends time with his heavenly father. And then the very next verse, check this out, verse 17, it says, it happened on a certain day. This is the very next verse. It happened on a certain day as he was teaching that there were Pharisees and teachers of the law sitting by who had come out of every town of Galilee, Judea, and Jerusalem. And listen, the power of the Lord was present to heal them. Check that out. The power of the Lord was present to heal them. There was a demand on Jesus's ministry. And because he was willing to not yield to those demands, but instead slip away, go in, in seclusion and spend time with the Father, he got a download from heaven, a refreshing and a recharging, 
And the next verse says he was able to heal. The power of the Lord was present with him. Why? Because he had been in the presence of the Father. Most of us are missing that. We are living so fast, so hard, go, 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 keep that treadmill going, and we're wore down. We wonder, the question's often asked, why don't we see miracles in America like we see in Africa or Asia or India or South America? Maybe it's because the only thing those people have is Jesus. Maybe it's because they're spending time in his presence and they're not caught up on the treadmill of the American dream. Go, 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 go. Get, 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 get. Consume, consume, consume. Work harder so you can live bigger. It's a simple lifestyle that makes a priority of spending time in the presence of the Father. And the power of God was present with Jesus to heal. Let me wrap up. I want to give you some homework. Go and reread Hebrews chapter 3 and 4 and 5 because we'll be studying that Wednesday night. But go back and read over this section in Hebrews chapters 3 and 4 about rest. I want to just encourage you with this before we, we, we go off the air here. Rest is not the absence of conflict. It's the presence of peace. There's all kinds of conflict going on around us. But you know, we can have peace in the midst of all this. But I'm gonna tell you this, if, if you don't make time to rest right now, in the midst of everything that's going on, you're not gonna make good decisions. You can't make good decisions in a hurry. You can't make good decisions when the cloud of noise and demands and pressures are surrounding you. You make good decisions when you've secluded yourself taken time away, been in the presence of the Father. The conflict's always going to be here. There's always going to be turmoil. There's always going to be conflict. There's always going to be problems. The Bible says life is short and full of trouble. There's always going to be trouble. Rest is not the absence of conflict. It's the presence of peace. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 6. We are God's house. If, this is all in this context of resting, we are God's house if we keep our courage and remain confident in our hope in Christ. Listen, as soon as we get our eyes off of Jesus, that's when our hope and confidence begins to wane. The, the admonishment of Hebrews, set your eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. We've got to keep our focus on him. We've got to spend time in his presence. These people in Hebrews were being persecuted. We think we're living in tough days right now. These people were being persecuted. This is what was happening when Hebrews was written. They were being put on posts and lit on fire to be nightlights during Nero's parties, orgies. Christians were being burnt on stakes. You think about that. Their houses were being plundered and ransacked. They were being murdered because of their faith in Jesus. And he's encouraging them Rest, rest. Don't let your heart be hardened. Don't let your faith waver. Rest in Jesus. Don't move away from him. Rest in him is the admonition of the book of Hebrews. Rest is not an issue, or I'm sorry, rest is an issue of trust. It, it's a condition of the heart. You look in Hebrews 3 and 4, how much it talks about the condition of our heart. We're gonna read it here in, in conclusion. 
We've got to keep our courage. We've got to remain, remain confident in our hope in Christ. This is where rest is at. Verse 19, Hebrews 3, 19. So we, we see that because of their unbelief, they were not able to enter into his rest, it says. We've got to keep our faith in Christ. We've got to get, keep our, our focus and our vision on him. Because if not, we will never enter into the rest that God anticipates, expects, and, and, and wills that we would experience. Here's the reality. Circumstances don't change us. I, I keep going back to that, that, that quote from Spurgeon during the, the bubonic plague in London where 2,000 people were dying every single day. He said this. He said, this plague has done nothing to destroy us, only something to reveal. It's revealed who we are. It's what Spurgeon was saying. Circumstances don't change us. You know what they do? They expose us. They expose us. I think it was Margaret Thatcher who said, you never know uh, what's in someone until you, or, or I think she said a woman's like a tea bag. You don't know what's in her until you put her in hot water. That's true. That's what when they turn the heat up, what's on the inside of us comes out. Challenges and conflict and persecution and sickness and famine and all these things that go on in life, they don't change us. They expose who we are. A fearful heart panics. A heart full of faith rests. God wants us to be a people of rest. In the midst of a pandemic, in the midst of a political season, good Lord, thank God, it's only, what, 10 days away, and this is over. But we need to rest in this. I'm resting. Whether Donald Trump or Joe Biden is elected president, I'm resting in Jesus. We need to learn to rest. I want to close and wrap up with this verse. I'm going to read this verse and we'll pray. Hebrews chapter 4, beginning of verse 9, it says, there, it says so there is a special rest still waiting for the people of God. For all who have entered into God's rest have rested from their labors, just as God did after creating the world. So let us do our best to enter that rest. But if we disobey God, as the people of Israel did, we will fall. For the word of God is alive and powerful it is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes the innermost thoughts and desires. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God. Everything is naked and exposed before his eyes. And he is the one to whom we are accountable. What's going on today? The church is being shaken. We are being sifted. The word of God, when we lie our life next to the word of God, it exposes us. Who are we? Are we of those who will fall away and drift? Are we those who will rest and trust in Jesus? And we might be able, like those who were put in the, the, the fiery furnace, we know that he will deliver us. But even if he doesn't, we will still serve him.
Those are some young men that were resting in their God. They had a confidence and a trust in their God. Church, may God establish that in our hearts. May we be steadfast and immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Let me encourage you, wherever you are and whatever's going on in your life right now, learn to rest. Learn to take some time off. Learn to put all your responsibilities aside for a few hours. And I would encourage you to do it for a day. Do it for a day once a week. It doesn't have to, we don't have to be legalistic about it. It doesn't have to be Saturday. Pick a day and rest. Pick a day and let life pass you by. It'll be there the next morning when you wake up. And I'm going to tell you this, the Lord will have it all in hand. He's faithful. We can trust him. Amen. I'm going to pray for you this morning. Father God, right now, in the name of Jesus, Lord, I thank you for your word. Let, let it encourage each and every one of us today, Lord God. Lord, our hope and our confidence is in you. This world is passing. This world is fleeting. We can't put our confidence in this world, in its systems, and what it can do for us, and what can be provided for us. But we can put our hope and confidence in you. Lord, if we put our hope and confidence in you, we will never be discouraged, regardless of our situations, regardless of our circumstances. Father, our hope is not in this world. Our hope is eternal. Father, we're looking for that blessed rest. We're looking for the day when our troubles will be over, where the lion and the lamb will lie down together, where there will be no more dying, where there will be no more tears. That's our hope. Lord, may we experience this blessed hope now here on this side of eternity. May we know the peace and the confidence of trusting you, that our hearts would find rest in you, that we would be at peace, and that our lives would be full of hope, regardless of what's going on, regardless of situations and circumstances. Father, you are our hope. We thank you and we bless you. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your faithfulness to us. We bless the name of Jesus today. We honor you. Amen and amen.